0: Hey guys, and welcome to the final ASAP of 2021. I am here with my friend Paige. Hey. And man, what a fun and festive night we had. Uh, Good meal.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm, Yeah, that mac and cheese. Wow, so cheesy.
0: Are you a, a seasoned mac and cheese person or are you just a regular mac and cheese person?
1: You know, I don't discriminate right against different mac and cheeses you're
0: an equal opportunity mac and cheese consumer
1: yes exactly i will eat any and all mac and cheese that's put in front of me but tonight i did choose the seasoned mac and cheese over the plain mac and cheese and what did not disappoint so i was happy with my choice
0: (laughs) (laughs) As did i just so you know if you ever need some in-depth mac and cheese analysis Mm -hmm. you can come to the to the ASAP um, Let's see, what else did we have tonight? We had some wonderful worship
1: mm, Really yes. enjoyed that
0: um, Started out
1: light And then had some more, you know, serious ones yep. Lydia, of course, killed it As um, always Yes, as always
0: Lit some candles and then took a hard left turn to spring breaks <laughs> Yeah
1: <laughs> Not, you know, everyone's sitting on the floor And then we're just like, woo, get excited about spring break <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hopefully you are, but uh, oh, a totally little bit of an unexpected turn. Anyways, uh, so Brian gave us the message. Uh, only the second time we've heard from Brian this semester. He hit mm-hmm. us with the the bookends, the first and the last. Yeah. Mm, fun,
1: Omega. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And it was some good stuff. Um, talked, you know, a little, little Charlie Brown reference in there. Classic um, So energy. what, yeah, what stuck out to you? Oh, I didn't even talk about Oswald Chambers. I mean, oh. you can't have a... Christmas synergy with that little reading from.
1: I mean, I have that last segment memorized. When he go, he lifts his hands. He goes, "Hear this, CSF." Yeah. Let the past rest, and then he goes into, "And as you go into the valley of the shadow of finals week," and then he pauses for effect, for everyone to laugh, and usually everyone does laugh who haven't haven't heard it before, and it's just I just say it with him every time, and I get a lot of enjoyment out of that.
0: Yeah. So this is, yeah, we're breaking down the fourth wall if you're, if you are you know, if you're new to this thing that this is what happens every Ooh, single yeah, time. I don't know if that's like the, the hidden secret that we're actually not allowed uh, to reveal.
1: Oops, but if you're listening to the ASAP, you, you deserve to know. To, yeah, you get to have that knowledge. There you go.
0: Uh, cool. So what maybe, what stuck out to you from what Brian had to share tonight?
1: Mm, I guess, I mean, the only thing I can really think of or not the only thing, but I was thinking about when Linus drops his baby blanket,
0: which I had never noticed that.
1: No, I mean I, I'm not a like a every year Charlie Brown watcher. Neither am I. Yeah. But I have seen that clip numerous times. I mean, we I think we've also shown that clip at several right. Christmas synergies, but and I've never noticed that either. Um, when he drops the baby blanket, right when he says "Fear not," um, for the Lord. Is coming or whatever the line is he says after that. Yeah, you got it. From the Christmas uh story. Um, but I thought it was funny because I too have slept with a baby blanket my entire life. Like and to this day. I yeah. Wow. To this day. Her name is Night Night.
0: Wow. <laughs> It's all okay. good. I'll join you in this. I mean, I'm I i do not still have one, but I did I definitely had a blankie. I mean, I think that you know, I think that's safe. I think most of us probably did.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean or I or do. Right. I am twenty four. Today's actually my half birthday. So
0: happy, happy happy, thank half you. birthday. Are you a half birthday person?
1: <laughs> no, but I just thought it was funny. Yeah. But yeah, I'm 24 and a half today. This was all for you. Still all sleep. the
0: meal and the Yes. Oh my gosh, I feel so celebrated. Yeah.
1: So thank you everyone for coming to my birthday party. But yeah, the baby blanket thing, but also the meaning behind it of like, I don't need the security of this world. I'm clinging on to Jesus. I didn't know Charlie Brown got that deep.
0: Neither did I. And it made me think, I was like, is that intentional? I mean, intentional or not, it is a pretty cool thing to think about for our purposes and even just like tangibly, like, Mm -hmm. what are the things that you're holding on to? What are the fears you're holding on to Mm -hmm. that you can kind of, you know, what are the things that you're looking for? To give you comfort mm-hmm. that you can let go of, mm-hmm. um, because you know that Jesus is coming. I also appreciated how he just like zoomed out on like
1: yeah, that's I, what I was gonna. I think it's say. like
0: a hot take to even, you know, use the not a hot take, but like it's just like probably unconventional for someone to even use the John uh, yeah. account, like the you know, to use John one. right? And it's
1: not even the one that Linus uses in Charlie Brown. No,
0: but it is helpful because I think that for those of us who have heard the Christmas story over and over again and Mm -hmm. kind of zone out, I think it like makes you perk up a little more of like, Oh, this is something different. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's just like these truths, I think within like the Christian faith that we're just like so prone to forget. And I think one Mm -hmm. of those is just that like Jesus was there in the beginning and how just mind boggling it is that the, the God of our universe, uh, you know, who like, as Brian said, can hold the entire universe and like the breadth of his hand. Mm -hmm. Um, I just did just a visual like finger to thumb, which isn't helpful at all <laughs> yeah, in this no form of, yeah, anyways. It's
1: like a finger gun, though, <laughs> for you listeners. <laughs> right.
0: Uh, just that that God decided to come and be with us
1: mm-hmm.
0: is just mind boggling. I think that you kind of have to at least try. I mean, on Brian's side, it's hard to reference, you know, just to wrap your brain around it, but to at least try, you know, to understand just the significance that like God came to earth. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think it, that's kind of even difficult to process.
1: Mm hmm. I loved his calling out of like the TikTok theology though. That was, I mean, you could hear a pin drop in that room. You can tell he has
0: a, has a teenager in his
1: house. Yeah. An up and coming teenager. But um, for anyone, maybe that wasn't there, that's listening or wants a refresher. Brian had, was talking about how like there's a, like there's a actual proof of the book of John being like thousands and thousands of years old. Like yeah. they found like a very early manuscript of an exact verse. That's exactly what we have in our Bibles today. Yeah, That was on some parchment that they found. I'm forgetting the exact details, but basically he was saying like, you know, there's lots of reasons to not believe in God, not to believe in the Bible. But if one of the reasons that you're getting is, the tiktok theology that the bible isn't um has been changed over time or like people can add and take away from it whatever they want he was like that's not really a solid argument like yeah. you can't you can just pretty much throw that one out the window because there is actual evidence <laughs> that this yeah. book is thousands and thousands of years old and hasn't been changed like we have the very same words in our own bible today from John. Yeah. And so then I, that's when he went into um kind of the let's take a step back and the beginning of John is just as much about Christmas as the story in Luke with the shepherds and the manger. The in the beginning God the word was God um is just as much the Christmas story. You know.
0: Yeah. And I think it even in some ways, like, keeps us a little further from maybe, like, the commercialized Christmas and Mm -hmm. to just think that we're celebrating a a holiday that was invented by Hallmark, Mm -hmm. you know? I think that's really easy to fall into. I think it's important to realize that we're celebrating something that, you know, Christians have celebrated from hundreds of years, which is just, like, the coming of Christ. Mm -hmm. I was even talking earlier today to some other staff members about how, like, one of the biggest things for me in 2021 has just been this idea of, like, like cultivating presence with God Mm -hmm. um, and just understanding like how to be more present to him and understanding like he wants to meet me in every moment. And I think that's like one of the defining things of the Christmas narrative is that God demonstrates above all else that his desire is to be present with us Mm -hmm. in coming, you know, um, I love the word of like Emmanuel, God Mm -hmm. with us it's used so often in, you know, Christmas songs. And I feel like it's a word that we don't hear, you know, or a name for, for God that we don't hear a lot throughout the rest of the year, but I just love that idea of like, God wants to be with you. He wants to know you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, if that's like one of the things that you can take away from the Christmas season and not get lost in all the the other, you know, things that grab for our attention this time of year, mm-hmm. um, which is crazy that like it's about God coming to be present with us in a time where I think we're pulled in so many different directions and it can be really difficult to be present.
1: Yeah, because it's, like, start this New Year's resolution. Like, uh, go into the holidays and face all of your family drama. Like, there's literally a million things that you could think about during the holidays, but in in even, like, in culture, like, oh, uh, what am I going to put on my Christmas list? Like, my grandparents are asking or, like, all this stuff. And I feel like I have – Like, what do
0: I need? What am I lacking?
1: Yeah, and I feel like even recently getting – older I you know today's my half birthday
0: Paige is becoming an adult
1: <laughs> I just have realized like what I don't even know what to ask for and not that I have everything by any means but like I just don't you know it's not like when you're a kid and you're like oh I want this toy or whatever right. but I think that's given me space to really um think about what I value and how like having Jesus really has been enough in Christmases of late, like yeah. going into the Christmas season and truly wanting to focus on, um, the sa- greatest gift of like of salvation, which I feel like we've talked about that multiple times this past week around CSF of just like the greatest gift being salvation. Um, and it's just made me like not even want to ask for anything. Cause yeah. I'm like, I've already been given it all, which sounds cheesy, but, like, yeah. it really is true, and if we allow ourselves to sit in that, I don't know, just makes materialism and, like, what Christmas has become almost, like, offensive. Because mm. you're like, uh, people just don't see.
0: Yeah, I think it's such a, like, even, a, like, a countercultural, you know, calling that we have going into Christmas of even being able to say that, like... I don't know like if we if we can somehow even like bring ourselves back and bring mm-hmm. you know our families back to just you know taking a moment in like I don't know my my family always like reads the the Christmas narrative which is kind of cheesy but I think like finding little practices even to to bring it back to like you know, the reason for the season mm-hmm. right yeah but all you really need is just uh, just Jesus in a good blanket, right? Mm. Is that the takeaway?
1: Amen. I'm going to be going to sleep tonight with my blankie thanking Jesus for my salvation.
0: <laughs> there you go. That's all you need. Mm. Uh, so what would you say as we kind of send students off into, into break, um, into a time where, uh, you know, they don't get to see us every single week? Um, what they could take maybe for what Brian had to share just in general, maybe what would be a practical challenge for you uh, as students go home?
1: Mm. I feel like maybe like in the chaos and even like getting caught up in like catching up with old friends when you're going home or, um, feeling the pressure to spend a lot of time with family, like finding that time. Maybe it's like 30 minutes a day that you sneak away into your room, um, and like just really center yourself around the reality of what it meant for God to humble himself and come in human form, like as a baby, yeah, and what that then meant for us for the rest of eternity. Like, I don't know, just really sitting with that the idea that Jesus actually came and stepped into our mess and took it all on. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I think one of the biggest barriers like to even desiring to like spend time with God is we kind of have a view of him as like, you know, looking down upon us because Mm -hmm. we haven't spent time with him in a while. I think Mm -hmm. that, if the, if the Christmas season and the understanding, like from what Brian had to say that like God wants to come and be present with us, Mm -hmm. um, that he came in human form, if that can like, cause really I think that's what's supposed to draw us into desiring God. And that's what's supposed to lead us into prayer and lead us into scripture is like that, that understanding that like God desires us like our, and I think that we're right to understand that, you know, I think part of what is helpful about Brian even zooming out is like, you know, understanding that, like the same Jesus that comes is the same person that created us and he mm-hmm. desires, um, for us to be the people that he created us to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just allow, whether it's, you know, a verse or it's a song or just like, I don't know if you can find that thing that helps you to understand that like God desires to be with you and just mm-hmm. sit in that, uh, and let that lead you to, mm-hmm. um, spend more time with him, like not doing it out of a, oh, I've got to try so hard, but like doing it out of like, man, like God wants to be with me. Yeah. And you can rest in that because he came, you know, from being the God of the whole universe um, to being a vulnerable baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that also leads us to, you know, you can be vulnerable before, you know, before the Lord, because, mm-hmm. you know, he too was, was vulnerable at one point.
1: Yeah. And I think even like that striving takes away what he came to do. Like when we try to perform for the Lord, it's like, we're saying like your blood wasn't enough to like wash me clean. Like, so I got to make myself perfect or like, I got to do the right thing in order to please you. When he's like, I already did everything necessary to, to make myself delighted in you. Like my blood covers all of that. Like, I just want to be with you period. Um, there's this album that came out recently by Upper Room called Love Note. Um, that's the album name, but it's also a song on the album. Okay. And the song is so beautiful. And it just is basically like the love note from Jesus to us. Oh, that's cool. And it just talks about wanting to sit with us and wanting to, and he's like one line and is like, here's my love note. Like, can you hear it? Yeah. And it, then just all these verses about like how he speaks over us and wants to sit with us. So go get a listen. But just that line of like, here's my love note. Can you hear it? Mm-hmm. Like, how are we putting ourselves before God to be able to even hear the love note yeah. that he is writing to each of us personally and like entirely to all of creation? And like the most prominent love note was Jesus in the form of a baby.
0: Yeah. No that's awesome like he wants to speak but like are we do we have ears to mm-hmm. ears to hear
1: so that's my challenge i think going into christmas break 30 minutes a day yeah sit before the lord
0: and Lift. i think too it's like supposed to be a restful season yeah and i think that we can go looking for rest in all the wrong places so if you truly yeah. want to find rest and uh truly want to feel like you know rejuvenated coming into the spring semester i think that um you know spending time with the one who can only you know truly give rest yes. i think is is a good plan of action.
1: Absolutely. And so. if your family's crazy, go for a drive.
0: Yeah. Like if you can't That's find good. peace yeah. in your house, get out of for- the house. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's awesome. Thirty minutes. That's all it takes.
0: Yeah. Well sweet. Uh Paige, thanks for hopping on with me. Uh thanks, thanks for to all our wonderful guests over the the course of the semester. And for all of you for listening with us, uh, we'll be back in the spring and hope you all have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.
1: See you next year.
2: Hello, hello. Uh man hey good to see you guys uh, my name is David I'm the pastor of students here uh, and I'm so excited about the doubt retreat I hope you do sign up and just to double down on that guys that it is for if you're struggling with doubt or if you have a friend or loved one who struggles with doubt and you just need some some equipping just to how to handle those conversations it's for both sides so it's a safe place to wrestle with big questions I hope you guys sign up for that Um, I have the privilege uh, tonight to introduce our guest speaker. Uh, But just for a little bit of... We were talking about this semester and spring semester about what we want to teach and what we want to focus on at Synergy. Um, You know, we spent all of January talking about the heart of Jesus and going into February... Um, we know sometimes it can be a, a tough month, it's cold, it's rainy, it's like it's warm one day, it's cold the next, and it's kind of like, it's sometimes hard to get out of bed. And so we just wanted to like, hey, give a little bit of spice on Thursday nights and hit do some hot topics that um, that really uh, are are dominating a lot of conversations, but the church doesn't always talk about it. Or if they do, they don't talk about it really well. So... Last week, um, we talked about the theology of sex. We had, um, we had a great panel here, and uh, the next couple of weeks, we got some great topics. Um, but this week in particular, um, we landed on a topic that's very sensitive, very personal uh, to a lot of people, and that's the topic of suicide. Um, and it's not really exciting to say, like, hey, I can't wait to talk about suicide at Synergy. And so it was even weird thinking about, like, how do we really, like, get like psyched up to come together to talk about something that's so hard and so hurtful. And like for many of you guys, you've walked through this with family members. But but the reality is, I don't think I even have to convince you, um, but on a college campus, the rates of suicide are so high. And there's so much depression, anxiety that's leading to suicidal ideation that it would be irresponsible of us as part of the global church to not have an honest conversation about it. CSF, we really pride ourselves on being a place where you can be real and authentic and have real conversation about hard things. And so, um, so we're gonna talk about suicide. And I remember back in the fall, we did Dirty Laundry, and, and many of you guys turned in your story of just the things that you're wrestling with that maybe you haven't talked about or maybe you have talked about, and just the, how many even responses we got Dirty Laundry of people who just, I'm struggling with depression, anxiety, or suicidal ideation, or, or, or you're reeling from the effects of someone's suicide. It's like, man. If we can't talk about this honestly in this space, where where are we going to talk about it? Where are we going to talk about it? Um, So I knew it's like, man, I really want to talk about this. I ended up in a conversation with uh, Jeff, who's on staff here. And I just remember hearing uh, this name, um, Dr. Matthew Sleeth. And I was like... I. He's written something recently about this. I started doing some research, found out my uh, friend Zach Meerkriebs is good friends with him, and he got us connected. But um, the great thing is Dr. Matthew Sleeth is a local here in Lexington. He speaks all over the country. In fact, I think uh, there's colleges all over the country inviting him in for secular groups and Christian groups to come talk about this topic because there's so many college campuses saying we're not equipped to talk about this honestly. And so um, we've got the privilege of the fact that he lives 10 minutes away from CSF and he was willing to come here uh, and share on the topic. And so I'll let him get into his story and his background a little bit uh, in just a minute. But before he comes up, I do want to let you know he just wrote this book called Hope Always, um, How to Be a, a Force for Life in a Culture of Suicide. And when I saw this and I saw the title of the book, I was like, yes, that's it. Um, Instead of making suicide the focus, the focus is on hope. Suicide is the subtitle. And I was like, that's what we need. That's what we need. We need a little bit more of hope, and that's what makes us distinct um, as Christians. And so so this book is phenomenal, and Dr. Sleeth has generously brought a bunch of the books on this table right right here by the doors, um, and he just brought a, a box of books, and there's a little box there. You can leave a donation or you can Venmo CSF offering, and we'll pass that money on to him. Um, If you want to leave a donation, but he told us, he's like, hey, I care more about the message than reimbursing, because honestly, any money that he gets from this are are just going to pay for more books for other people that he's going to give these books away. So he said, if you can't afford it, if you just want to take a book, just take it. It's free. Um, If you want to leave a donation, great. If you just want to take a book, do it, because that's how great this, this message and how important that is. So that'll be right back here. Grab that. Be sure to thank him for just honestly being super generous with us, with his books, with his time. Without further ado, guys, would you please give a very warm CSF welcome to Dr. Sleeth.
3: Thank you, David. Ooh,
2: I will, uh, let, me, let me say this too. you. Woo! Sorry, I forgot to mention, while he's talking, we'll have a number on the screen that you can text in questions, and we are gonna do Q&A with Dr. Sleeth uh, afterwards. We're gonna do some live audience qu- the CSF phone um, so if you have questions, be sending those in while he's talking and then he's gonna stick around later uh, during PSP to answer some questions. Uh, but that's it, I'm gonna shut up, give you the time. So Thanks. see us.
3: It's great to be here. And I, I'm like, almost like a bubbly little girl. <laughs> because almost always when I'm going to talk, I have to get on a jet and, um, and I was able to drive here. So it's very ex- exciting to me. And I owe a debt, and my family uh, does, uh, to this institution. Uh, My son went to medical school here and did a residency here. My uh, daughter-in-law went to PA school here, and my son-in-law did an undergraduate degree here. So I'm familiar with the place. (laughs) Uh, And I'm going to talk about this very difficult uh, subject and I'm going to come at it from two different directions. <clears throat> I was introduced as Dr. Sleep, and I'm not a theologian uh, per se. My doctorate is in medicine, and I was an emergency room physician and a director of a department and everything. And so I'm going to come at it from a medical background, but I'm also going to come at it from a Christian background. When I was 48 years old, Uh, which is pretty late in life to do this, Uh, something happened in my family and to me. I became a Christian, and then my wife, who was raised as a Jew, and then both of my children became Christians. So I am both literate in uh, biblish and pagan. I'm bilingual. Um, and, 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 And frankly, suicide is a difficult topic, but Working in an emergency room department kind of prepared me to give bad news. Um, I don't know if you know about it, but nobody likes a phone call from an ER doctor. (laughs) You know, and once I had to call somebody and said, I've got bad news and really bad news. The bad news, and I said, well, I looked at your labs, and you've only got 48 hours to live. And they said, what's the really bad news? I said, I couldn't get a hold of you yesterday. So anyways... If that joke fails, I'm leaving, okay? Because I, 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 there are not a whole lot of... All right. Stay with me here. All right. So, I'm gonna talk uh, first about the prevalence of suicide, and then I'm gonna talk about what the Bible has to say about it. And then I'm gonna tackle a question which comes up for many, many people uh, who've been raised in, you know, different faith backgrounds, is suicide an unforgivable sin? And then I'm going to talk about what has the church been doing and what should we be doing? So, first of all, show of hands, raise your hand if you have lost uh, a friend or a family member to suicide or drug overdose. Raise your hands. So every look around and see you know, how many hands up. There's a lot. Uh, it is an incredibly prevalent thing at our time. In the coming year, in the United States, about 10 million people are going to wrestle with whether or not to end their own lives. 10 million. That's a huge number. And of that ten million, one and a half million are going to act on that. One and a half million are going to show up in emergency departments to be treated for suicide attempts or ideation that they can't stop. Um, <clears throat> so it's it's incredibly incredibly prevalent, and uh, you know to give to put some numbers around that. For every murder you hear about, there's two-and-a-half times more suicides. Men are about um, two, uh, where's my stats here? I'm not great with numbers, but, okay, so women are twice as likely to try, and men are about four times as likely to die by suicide. And part of that is that men are more often reaching for firearms, which uh, it's it's, uh, much deadlier. Uh, than other things, um, and the demographics around suicide have really been changing over time. Uh, just uh, 10 years ago, uh, I would have been the demographic—somebody, uh, you know—in 60s to 70s, a male would have been the most likely to commit suicide, and that's still true. But that's changing really, really rapidly. <coughs> Here in in um, in Lexington. In a one-month period of time, about two years ago, we had a 10-year-old, an 11-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 13- and a 14-year-old all take their own lives. I got to tell you, when I was 10 years old, I, that just wasn't on the radar for me. And so so things have really changed. and. Um, I mentioned that I have a son. I have a son who's a pediatrician. He runs a uh, pediatrics department at Tenwick Hospital in Kenya. It's a really large missions uh, hospital. And when he comes home in the summer, which he comes home every summer, he goes back on faculty at University of Kentucky, and he runs the inpatient pediatrics department. And, and he said, um, the last, last summer when he came home, he said, Dad, the last time I was here, 5% of our peds patients were there for uh, suicide. It's up over a third now. And so w- when you raise your hands that, that this has affected you, understand that this is, this is just a society problem and, and, and that no society has ever dealt with the numbers we're dealing with. No period in history, no society, no other country as we do. And let me explain that the, the absolute numbers are completely skewed by the fact that we have fabulous medicine. Fortunately, <laughs> there's people like me that are trained you know, to, to rescue folks. Even 20% of the people who jump or use firearms can be saved if they are gotten to a trauma unit within the golden hour of, tra- uh, of trauma, it's called. Um, but if we were to subtract modern medicine our suicide rate would go to something like a million a year in the United States. And so, society's never seen anything like this, but but our technology is covering it up. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know if you know when you come in on on Main Street, where Chevy Chase Hardware is, and the traffic slows down there, and there's a lot of rear-end collisions there, and I came, and I, and I, I kind of had to hit my brakes real fast, and I didn't hit the, the car in front of me. But then I looked in my rearview mem- mirror to see what my fate was. And there was, there was a guy was going like this. <laughs> he had no idea, and I braced myself. And then he dropped his phone and opened his mouth because his car put the brakes on. OK? His car kept him from snapping my neck. <laughs> not him and and it didn't make him a better driver (laughs) and so our technology is keeping things from being um even much much worse um america's depressed one in eight adult americans are on an antidepressant to get through the day one in eight and it's probably a little higher in in college settings Um, And we don't even count overdoses um, in, in that, but overdoses are on a continuum uh, with suicide. And let me just take a moment how many, just raise people, family members and friends, quite a lot. Let me explain why overdoses are so prevalent. By the way, there was a, we passed the 100,000 mark in, in the US last year for uh, overdose deaths. Um, It's because the drugs have gotten so incredibly potent. Uh, Morphine and heroin have an equal uh, potency. Uh, Fentanyl, everybody's heard of that? It's a synthetic narcotic, is 50 times more potent than morphine or heroin. But here's the the other thing. There's carfentanyl. has, has come into, uh, into use, and carfentanil is 10,000 times more potent than heroin or morphine. To get that into perspective, there was a one-pound package of carfentanil that was intercepted by the Canadian police that had been mailed into the country. That represented a lethal dose for every single person in Canada. When you take drugs, Unless they come from a pharmacy, you're playing Russian roulette today. I, I, I hey, I was a pretty good chemistry student and everything, um, but I would be loath to want to have to dilute something that powerful and, and use it. And, and it's a guy named Raul doing it. I shouldn't say that's, it's some guy you don't know, <laughs> or gal. in a garage doing it. You get a picture, okay? <laughs> Raul's a great guy. He would never do it. That. <laughs> um, That's terrible. Uh, all right. Digging myself further into the hole. So what's going on in America? For the last three decades, America has spent a lot of money trying to fix this problem that secular health experts have told us to do. We've made access to uh, uh, f- uh, therapists through phones available. We have uh, have more screening for this. Uh, more and more and more people are on antidepressants. Uh, there's a 1-800-273-TALK. Anybody can call in the United States and get help with uh, a suicidal ideation. And yet, every single year, the rate goes up by about 2%. And the experts tell us we should do more of the same thing. What did Albert Einstein say that that was? Craziness. Doing more and more of the same thing, expecting a different result. Uh, So what does the Bible have to say about this? By the way... How many of you have ever heard a sermon on suicide? About five, okay. So, um, the Bible actually, I believe, tells us where suicide comes from. Suicide is unique to human beings. There is no other animal on this planet that commits suicide. There has never once been a zebra that woke up and said, excuse me, a zebra, I have kids that live in Africa, I got to pronounce it right, there's never been a zebra that woke up one morning and said, to heck with it, I'm not going to run from the lion today, it's only humans, and people have tried to come up with an animal model for it, but it doesn't exist, why is that? Because you and I, no matter what anybody tells you, are a, a connection of mind body and soul animals have minds and they have bodies but they don't have a soul um and 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 when we open the bible they're on adam and eve and they're in the setting of paradise and i don't think there's any poison ivy i don't think there's any chiggers i don't think there's any mosquitoes bothering them it's paradise And in that setting, they were told they could eat from anything except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God said that when you do that, you will surely die. You will be committing suicide. You'll be putting a gun to your head. You'll be tying a knot in the noose. And what did Adam and Eve do? They stepped over the brink. And um, lots of people think this is a fairy tale. They think it's mythology. There's no other book on the planet that tells where suicide comes from. And here it is on the first page of the Bible. And so... um, And there's somebody pushing them over. Who is telling that it'll be okay if they kill themselves? Satan. Satan. Yeah. Um, And I I just... um, And and, and so Satan is, is, if you follow Satan throughout scripture, every time he shows up, practically, he's trying to get somebody to kill themselves. When he, in the book of Job, Satan is trying to get Job to commit suicide. Curse God and die is the poetry of Job for commit suicide. You don't curse God and your heart stops. Satan is trying to get Job to commit suicide. And um, if if you think about it, even when Satan and Jesus interact, one of the things that Satan tries to get Jesus to do is what? Jump Jump off the tower, commit suicide. It'll be okay. When Satan enters into Judas, Judas betrays the Lord and commits suicide. This is Satan's MO if you will it's the way he does business and um, and Jesus reduces all into one line in John 10 10 Jesus says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly so there's this battle that's gone on since the first page And that's what we're seeing happening in our society right now. Um, And uh, I want you, you, if you get nothing else from tonight, to understand that if you ever hear a voice telling you to kill yourself, if you ever have these thoughts that the world would be better off without you or you would be better off dead, That's Satan talking to you. That is never Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died so that you would live. Um, And by the way, it doesn't doesn't mean that God doesn't love you if you think about suicide. It It doesn't mean that Christians are immune to this, by the way. Because it's very interesting that if you go through the Bible and you look at what happens when people feel like they want to die, and there's all kinds of people in Scripture who say, I want to die, I've had enough. But when they address that to the Lord, something else happens. Moses says, I don't want to live anymore. I want to die, God. And God comes and he ministers to Moses. Elijah says, I don't want to live anymore, I want to die. And God comes, but he addresses that to the Lord, and the Lord comes and he ministers to Elijah. And he does the the same thing uh, with David and Jonah and so on. Even Jesus Christ said, my soul is weary unto death. They address that pain and that suffering and that feeling of loneliness to the Lord. Being a Christian isn't all about having an easy ride. There will be tough days, Jesus said. He guarantees it. And to know that Christianity is real and strong, um, you have to know that it can take on things like this. Um, By the way, Christians are not immune to suicide, but a committed Christian is about six to eight times less likely to take their life than an atheist. And Christians have struggled throughout their whole life with depression, famous Christians, heroes of the faith, we would call them. Mother Teresa wrestled for decades with depression. Anybody here uh, know, the, uh, know the name Charles Spurgeon. Ever heard of that? It's called "The Prince of Preachers." Um, just spectacular um, uh, preacher, evangelist in, in London. And, uh, but, he, but he suffered with depression over and over again, and yet he, he conquered it with, with Christ's help. Henry Nouwen, same thing. C.S. Lewis, anybody ever read C.S. Lewis? Really struggled with depression for a couple of years. Um, and so we're, it doesn't mean that as a Christian you're immune to it, but it means you've got a power source other people don't have um, necessarily. Let's, let me just... Um, tackle the, is is, uh, suicide the unforgivable sin? Anybody raised with that theology or heard that as you grew up? It's it's particularly common in the Catholic Church, and I want to defend the Catholic Church for a moment. The Catholic Church um, has done a better job over the last 2,000 years of preventing suicide than we do in this country with a $3.8 trillion dollar Healthcare budget. Um, uh, and, and, and they look, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells within you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. And so there's lines like that, and that, thou shalt not kill, and it could have in parentheses thyself behind it. And, and that's a commandment. And, and so there's that on one side. But I think to rightly divide the Word of God, you got to know the other side of of these things. And and I think there is great hope um, that that people can become overwhelmed and they cannot think straight and that they're not held accountable for that. Um, And I'm going to read a a line of hope here uh, from Romans 8. This is Paul speaking. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Please, somebody say amen. 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 Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) I believe that if somebody placed their trust in Christ in this lifetime, that suicide is forgiven. Um, but but it's a, nonetheless, it's a very serious uh, step, and it is a sin. Uh, but that doesn't mean that, that Christ can't forgive, or that Christ's death on the cross didn't cover every single sin you can think of. But you have to have put your hope in Christ. Uh, In order for that to work. So why don't Christians commit suicide at the same rate of atheists? They think about it the same, by the way. There's been studies about this. It crosses my mind the same as it does in atheists. Um, Why don't they? Well, when when I wrote Hope Always, I wanted to get to the hope part, and I've been telling you the heavy part. it is why, why is it that Christians are able to make it through? Why is it that Henry Nouwen and C.S. Lewis and, and Mother Teresa were able to make it through those dark nights of the soul? And I interviewed people, every, everything from teenagers to someone who's 93 years old, who had come to the brink, or these people had come to the brink where they had attempted suicide, and they'd gotten beyond that. And the number one thing that they answered Um, was fear of what would happen afterwards, fear of the Lord. Fear is a good thing. What does the Bible say that the beginning of wisdom is? Fear of the Lord. Um, And so fear is what keeps me from walking off the stage, you know, backwards with my eyes shut, or a kid learns, you know, not to run out in the road. But we live in a just-do-it kind of world. By the way, does anyone know where that saying, just-do-it, came from? A murderer as he was about ready to be executed. Go Google it. I'm not making it up. Okay. Okay. The second thing is concern for others. That people told me, you know, I just, I, I worried about what would happen to my children, or I worried about what would, you know, happen to my parents, or whatever. Is concern for others above e- even your, your greatest pain a Christian thing? Yeah, it is. We're supposed to put others more. As, as we grow in our faith, we become less, and Christ becomes more. And, and so that was another thing. Um, Uh, that I found. So the question is, what has the church been doing? Um, I preached at Southeast uh, Christian Church on this. And when I asked the question, how many of you have ever heard a sermon on suicide? Have you all seen that place from the highway? uh, You can probably see it from space or whatever, you know? And, And looking around in there, nobody's hand went up. The church has been quiet about this, but I don't think we can anymore. And for me, the hope is that you folks in here and me and the churches that we can belong to can begin to trumpet life, life as something worth fighting for, life as something worth encouraging in others, um, et cetera. And we live in a really strange time it's a really hard time. I sometimes, I shouldn't say this, but sometimes I'm glad I'm an old man because sometimes it scares me what's coming up. Does it scare you? Oh, the optimism of youth. I'm telling you. Um, and uh, I, I'm afraid that suicide will become normalized if we don't fight it. Um, I wrote an editorial for the Lexington Herald. An op ed piece about suicide. And I wrote the following line Society can continue to try and prevent suicide by doing more of what is not working. But I believe it is time to start allowing things like faith, God, love, and even the concept of suicide as a moral wrong back into our approach to suicide prevention. Here's what the editor of the Lexington Herald, not to mention names, but (laughs) wrote back, just read through the op-ed, the only problem is at the end where he brings up suicide as a moral wrong. That is an extremely complicated concept that will require another essay to explain, and they wouldn't publish it unless I took that off. A time where a newspaper can't say that suicide is wrong, or in an opinion piece, I can't say it. Where is the suicide is wrong and Christ is life going to come from? It's going to come from here, from you and me. Can I get another amen? amen? Okay. So um, please take the books. I really don't care if you leave money. You just take them. Um, and, 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 I, and I want you to know that people around you are struggling with this. And there's a, there's a few people in here that are struggling with this as an issue right now please know that God has a plan for your life that you may feel lonely that it may seem crazy and insurmountable but God loves you and he has a plan and you have to reach out to other people and you have to get help sometimes you need professional help sometimes you need medicines but you need prayer too and you need brothers and sisters to support you so I wanted to leave time for questions David, have I got enough time here? we got plenty. Oh, we got plenty. Because my favorite thing to do in the whole world is Q&A at colleges. Yes. I would pay to come and do this part, OK? And I don't a- answer snarky questions. But if you're looking for anything real, I- I'm your guy. And I will answer you honestly, um, unless I can't for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. OK.
2: Yeah, uh, we've got a few in here, so we're also, uh, Jess is gonna walk around, and if you have any questions you wanna ask live, uh, we'll kinda alternate, we'll do a, a text question, then we'll throw it to the crowd, and we'll kinda alternate a little bit, we got a few here. Um, so we'll kick it off with this one. Out of um, out, of all, of, out of all of the topics that you could have chosen to write on, um, what initially caused you to focus your research and all your time on the
3: topic of suicide? <clears throat> The Lord told me to. <laughs> um, really, the Lord just kept, uh, you know, I've had friends suicide, I've worked in it, um, and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse, and the church hasn't really gotten involved in it yet. And I think God pushes me to write about things that are in Scripture, but the church is maybe lagging behind on. This isn't the, uh, this isn't the only topic I, I write about. Um, but but I really was hesitant, and so I read all the secular books. I could get, you know, not all, but probably about 15 secular books on this. And I read about 15 uh, um, books from a Christian perspective. And I still didn't want to do this eh, there's, there's lots of books about it. And then I do you know, for me, Scripture and the Bible is everything. And I said, Lord, if you want me, if you really absolutely want me to do this, uh, you show me something in Scripture that isn't in any of those books. None of them mentioned Adam and Eve. Mm. Not a single one. And and so I realized that the, you know, we weren't grasping where it all started. Mm. Um, so that's that's the answer. Yep. And
2: uh, and I'm gonna piggyback on this question because I, I listened to a podcast. You did an interview with Annie F. Downs, um, who's great. Love a lot of people read and listen to her. rounded and, and uh it's phenomenal. So if you want some follow up, go, go find this, uh, this podcast. But one of the things you said, um, about one of the reasons was, uh, when you Googled, what does God think about? And there was a question that was texted in here. So I'll read the question and I'll let you kind of go from there. But, um, let's see if I can find it. Uh, would you say that Jesus committed suicide by dying on the cross? Uh, While he didn't crucify himself, it's clear that he knew he needed to die, and he willingly let himself die. If someone straps a rock to their ankle, jumps in a lake, and they knew they would drown, that's suicide. Jesus knew that he was putting himself in a situation to die, so once again, could this be considered suicide? Yeah.
3: If if somebody ran in here with a gun and pointed at her, I'm going to jump in between them. I'm not committing suicide. I want to live, but even greater is the... Um, mm, so, I I'll give you I'll give you this example. I I was on the phone with my son, and you know he's he's in Kenya. They don't have the same resources that we have here, but he's he's got a seventy-five bed NICU and everything, and they're getting hit by COVID. And I, I don't know. This is like a year ago. <clears throat> And all the government hospitals just shut down; they go on strike. Um, and I said, "Have you ever thought you're going to get, you know, so overwhelmed that you know you're?" you're... He said, "Dad, <clears throat> I'd rather die and have people know what a Christian is mm. than desert." Mm. So. I, I don't, I think that, and, and in this book, I give a definition of suicide which is quite, I think, sophisticated, ha, 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 bragging about myself, but um, where I say that suicide, it's like with a person that's jump, that jumped off the top of the World Trade Center, 9-11, they weren't committing suicide. They, their intent, it, it was, die this way or that way. Um, if if they could have in any way been beamed out of that, they would have. And so intent is what the Lord looks at. He looks at our hearts.
2: That's good. That's good. Uh, let's throw it to the crowd. Uh, Jess has the microphone over here. Uh, anybody want to ask a question from the audience? All right.
0: Hello. Okay. Just making sure it's on. Hi.
3: Hi.
1: Um how would you like improve suicide prevention and what's wrong with it knowing there's many ways people cope with suicide by things like drugs and would you still consider that like suicide Does that make sense?
3: <laughs> I'm not sure I have the question right. Okay, I will yeah. talk
1: slower. Earlier you said something about suicide prevention and like how that road can also be very like you know and like <laughs> knowing there's many way like there's many ways people cope with trying to not kill themselves like like by, like drugs for example like would you say that's uh, You mean like anti anti-depress, yeah. antidepressants like, no i, I think
3: yeah. that there's a place for those i think all good things come from the lord um, and, and, I think, you know, medicines that save babies and treat cancer are, are, are from the Lord. Um, you, you know, when, when, when Jesus was asked by John's disciples, you know, John's in prison and they don't have television and, and, he, and he sends his disciples that are, are you the one, are you the guy I baptized? Are you the Messiah? And Jesus says, the blind see you know the deaf here, the lame. We opened a hospital. Medicine and Christianity have always had kind of a love affair, and so if if, if medicine is what somebody needs to get over that period, but I do think that in um, uh, and, and so never stop taking a medicine without your your doctor saying so. Um, but um, but I do think that sometimes medicines. Uh, prevent us from getting to the deeper questions of sometimes, why am I depressed? I think that sometimes God wants us to die to who we are. (laughs) That's that's way different than kill ourselves. When I became a Christian, there was just all kinds of stuff that that God didn't want in my life anymore. And and so sometimes I do think we reach for pills too fast, so we don't have to think about things. But if somebody's at the point of suicide, that's a dangerous place. You do whatever you can to get over that crisis, and then you tackle some of those big questions. That's good. Thanks. Um,
2: Somewhat similar to this, like, how can I get better at connecting to people that have suicidal thoughts, even though I don't think or relate in that way, and I'll just kind of add a second question because there's a few about these, even just initial reactions if a friend comes to you and says, hey, this is something I'm thinking, any advice you would give to them to say, how do you respond in those moments?
3: Absolutely. The first thing you have to do, it's like if I tell you you I have a headache, the dumbest thing you can say to me is, oh, no, you don't really. Okay. and uh, I got asked a question earlier before we started, and I, I said, people don't understand medicine, but they under, everybody has a PhD in attitude. And, and so <laughs> they know whether you have a good attitude or a, a bad attitude. And I think if somebody is saying, I'm having trouble or I'm struggling or life isn't worth living, the first thing you do is respect what's behind that. And you say, Wow, that sounds serious, because that is serious. Tell me something more. Or, you know, tell me what's going on. Yeah. Because one of the things, one of the reasons I think people, so many people are, are grappling with this is they feel isolated. They don't have, they don't have you know, friends. Um, they, they don't have connections that they can count on. And, and so I think the, the first thing you have to do is say, That's, that sounds serious. Tell me more about it. Um, if somebody is thinking about suicide and they have a plan of how to do it and they have the means, that's a 911 emergency. Yeah. Uh, so always take it seriously. Um, and, and if you don't have the expertise, get, get help. Get a counselor, get your pastor, somebody involved in it. Yeah. But what that person is saying, I am lonely. I don't know whether people love me. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's good.
2: We'll go back to the audience. Any questions from the audience you'd like to ask? We got one over here, maybe, Jess.
0: Okay, so um, I wrote this down, so it's gonna come straight off a of script. but. Um, I know that as Christians, we believe that God has a plan for all things. Uh, To address this point, how would you respond to a Christian who's asking about how someone's suicide can fit into God's plan? Uh, I know we're not God, and we can't really have an objective answer as to how this exactly fits, but what route would you take in addressing this to a Christian?
3: As far as I can tell in reading Scripture, it is never God's plan that somebody killed themselves. I can, in, and I'm, I, I said I'm going to be totally 100% honest, I can only think of one legitimate reason to kill yourself. And that is that I know that I'm going to do harm and I can't stop myself. I think that's a legitimate reason. And I think God in that equation go, oh, he's trying to save, or he or she is trying to save somebody else. But I just don't read in scripture, in, Jesus said, I came that you'd have life and you'd have it more abundantly, period no qualifications on that, no nothing. And it's been my experience of, of being, living most of my life as a non-Christian, a secular humanist, and then as a Christian, that this Christian part isn't easy, but oh, the joy that comes after a while. <laughs> the, the, the knowing who you are and knowing who the Lord is, is just I can't describe how much better it gets. And so when I think of somebody taking their life without knowing what the end of the story is, um, it just kind of breaks my heart. It is not God's plan that anybody commits suicide.
2: All right, I got um, several questions about um, the experience of the many in here after the suicide of a loved one. both coping with it, understanding it. There are some questions about even just forgiving uh, the person who you love, that they a little bit of resentment or anger that they made this decision, but just a lot of... And even some, of the, some questions about how even just advice not, not blaming yourself for the suicide of a loved one. Um, any thoughts on that? Just the, the recovery of after a suicide has, been,
3: has happened. Yeah. Su- suicide is devastating. It's an act of violence. It's a murder. <laughs> And it affects generations. There isn't, I can't give you a great plan in 30 seconds on how to deal with that, other than to recognize that this is not God's plan, um, but that, you know, um, Frederick Beekner, great Christian writer, um, wrote about his father committing suicide when he was 11 years old, when he was, Beekner was like 80. <laughs> I mean, it's affected his entire life. Um, and, and so I, th- I think that, um, that if somebody's had that happen, that getting with a Christian support group to help you work, because there's gonna be anger at the person, there's gonna be guilt that you're gonna feel, you're gonna ask. My, um, I had a relative commit suicide a year and five days ago. And I was talking to him right up, right up until the end. I did everything I could, but I still feel... I wrote the book on yeah. this. You only have so much influence o- over somebody. Um, but I think that what makes me feel better is that I did give him the gospel. I did give him as much time as he would take. Um, and, and so knowing that you've done your best is, is what gets you through that, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah and, I, and I'll just add, too... I mean, um, I've been to professional counseling. I have many friends on staff who have been to professional counseling. I think there's always an opportunity here where um, if you're struggling, whether either with suicidal ideation or the death of a loved one, um, just remember you're not meant to suffer alone. We're not meant community. It's literally why we exist as a ministry, to provide godly friendships, to walk through some of these hard things together. And and uh, oftentimes, you may bring something that's really heavy to a friend. And, and as a friend, you say, I don't, know how to, I don't know how to help, but listening really well and then also helping them find professional help that can walk you through this stuff. And so we, we, I just I always want to bring that up every once in a while here at, at CSF that, and re- release any stigma behind counseling that might exist. Still. I, I, I think it's less than it used to be, but I, just, I don't want you to hold back on if you are struggling, like, Let's get you together with someone who can talk. We will we'll be here and we'll talk with you and we'll work with you. But sometimes it's very helpful to add someone who has experience and literally their whole job is to walk you through whether it's ideation or struggling with the death of a loved one. So, um, so come talk to us. Come talk to a staff member. We've got a great key care team here that their their whole thing is helping students in key situations like this, and they have great resources. We can connect you with Christian counselors and things like that as well. So I just want to add that to it, but. Um,
3: and, yeah. and I think an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, mm-hmm. as they say. And, and what I would love for you to do, hint, hint, is to, hint, hint, invite me back, <laughs> hint, hint, and I will, um, hint, okay. uh, talk about how to maintain spiritual and mental health. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's much better to keep yourself from getting into that place. Um, uh, That's good.
2: Hint, hint. Yes. Oh. Hint received, Okay, (laughs) send it. Um, Let's do one more from the audience. We got time for one more and then we will have some, Dr. Slee is gonna be in the library afterwards and we can do some more questions as well, so yes.
1: How do we keep the topic of suicide and suicidal thoughts in open conversation?
3: Uh, I think this is the beginning. I I am so thrilled that you you guys as a ministry uh, grappled with this. You are at the leading edge. There's just, there's, there's, um, and and so I think, I think you have to ask, and I think we have to get into each other's lives. I I think we have to eat with each other and pray with each other and get into each other's lives and, um, and so that people don't get so desperate and feel alone. Um, And and so, and, and to understand the Lord knows everything that you, you've struggled with. Christ Christ has been here. He's been in that place and in, in this to turn to that power source. But that power source exists in community. It exists in fellowship. You can't do this alone. Mm,
2: that's so good. Uh, well, we're going to end it there. But as as Dr. Slee said, this is the start of a conversation. This doesn't have to be the only conversation. And so... Um, As we're gonna transition into some worship time, I wanna let you know that our prayer team is gonna be in the house, in the library right there. We also have staff around the room with lanyards uh, that would love to uh, pray with you. They're gonna be around. Um, Again, if you're wrestling with something, don't leave tonight without talking to somebody like this is it's literally why we come here every week is just to have a place where we can have honest conversations about hard things and so the prayer team would love to pray with you our staff would love to pray with you encourage you Um, and then again later tonight after synergy is over um, Dr. Sleeth and I are going to go to the library if you want to come and uh, he'll hit some more questions and he promised another three or four hours right of question answering I think is what he said Um, but anyways can you guys thank Dr. Sleeth for coming and joining us
3: tonight. Yeah. Do you want me to pray for him? Yes. Okay. Thank you.
2: And yeah, I've, uh, I've asked Dr. Sleet to, to pray for us, and then we're going to just continue to talk to the Lord and some worship. So,
3: Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for, for what you've done in my life and my family's life. And I know that there are people here that you want to do uh, the same thing with, and lift them up out of the pit, and I and I just pray your your peace and your love and your 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 joy that comes uh, uh, to those who aren't feeling it at this moment, um, and and let and let this group um, act as 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 your body um, to reach out to others who are struggling with this on, on this campus and elsewhere. And just bless, bless my brothers and sisters here in every way, in ways I can't even think of. And I ask this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.